Hello and welcome to The Student Space, a podcast for students about high school, life after school and how to actually be an adult. Before we jump into the chat, I want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast and pay my respects to the elders past and present of the Rwandri people of the Kulon Nations. Welcome everyone to another episode of The Student Space. In this episode, we're going to unpack IB, which is the International Baccalaureate Diploma Program. So you may or may not have heard of it. The IB is a program that is offered in VCE, so year 11 and year 12 at schools. Typically, it's more popular at private schools, but also some state schools are taking on the IB. So I'm chatting with Alice today, who did complete her IB in 2019. Anyway, let's start off, shall we? So Alice, tell us what on earth is the IB? Well, as you just mentioned, it is a program um, that is an alternate to VCE. So in year 10, students have the opportunity to choose whether they'd like to do the IB or VCE. IB is a two-year program, um, which means you are tested on two years worth of content. The IB is international. So unlike VCE, VCE is only in Victoria. IB is um, offered all around the world. With the IB, uh, most of the assessment is exam-based. So for a lot of the subjects, the exams are weighted 80, 80%. Um, it varies among subjects, sometimes 70, 60, but for the most part, the exams are weighted 80%. So it's really suited towards students who perform well in exams, um, who enjoy exams, and um, as opposed to students who perform well in large assignments that they do in class. Also in the IB, students have to take six subjects, one from each of the categories. Cool. Okay, so quick summary. In year 11, year 12, you can either choose to do VCE and that's the equivalent if you were in New South Wales, you know, you got HSC. Um, This one is another alternative called the International Baccalaureate. Now, you mentioned the requirements doing six subjects and they're over a two-year period. So tell us a little bit about those and the different categories of subjects you have to pick. Sure. So yes, as you mentioned, there are six categories. Each student must choose a subject from each of those categories. The first category is literature. So unlike VCE, where you're able to choose if you want to do literature um, or or standard um, English in IB, the standard English is literature. There's no way around that. Then there is also for the second category, there is a maths you must do split into three levels. Then there's also a second language that you must study. You're able to do, I guess, the beginner's level or the more advanced level for that, depending on um, what uh, language you choose to study. Then there is a science. Everybody must study a science. Um, so that covers your typical uh, chemistry, biology, physics, etc. Sports science as well. Then as the fifth category, that's individuals and societies. So that covers uh, economics, uh, business management, geography, history. And then as the sixth subject, that's actually called the arts. However, you do get a tiny bit of choice here. If you would not like to study an art subject, you are able to do a second individuals and society subject if you so desire. And um, that's quite common for students to do that. Okay, so we've got the literature 
Mm-hmm. You have science and arts and maths and in individual and societies and then an additional language, right? Correct. So yes. of the sciences, we've got your classic physics, chemistry, bio, and I believe sports science. Yes. What I found interesting, psychology, not considered a science. Is that right? No. Um, so psychology is under the individuals and societies. Okay, cool. So then other subjects under that little um, heading would also be like a history, geography, global politics, business management, I found was interesting. Economics as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then in arts, so we got dance, film, theatre, visual arts, music. Mm -hmm. And now maths. Take me through the three levels. Do you think they equate to your further method specialist? Yeah, there's a bit of uh, debate around that. Um, The mid-level which is standard level, equates two methods. Um, This is uh, what's commonly said. So um, it's hard to tell because no one has really done both, but but that's sort of what's known. It's also said that higher level in IB, so that's the the one that's the highest level, is apparently harder than specialist maths offered in VCE. But then the lowest level um, in IB is apparently easier than uh, the lowest level in VCE. Ah, cool. It's hard because um, nobody who's obviously done both, but that's that's from what I've heard um, and that's from what I know. Okay, cool. Gotcha. And what about a language? What if you want to do IB but you haven't done a language previously? Yeah, it's unfortunately a requirement that you can't avoid. Um, but for those who have not done a language before, they are able to start a new language and do ab initio, which is the beginner's level of that language. That would be a language where you learn from all the way from year seven through to year 12 in those two years of which you study that language. Okay, cool. And so what subjects do you pick in year 11? Do you have to continue those in year 12 or can you chop and change? Say you do chemistry in year 11 and like, mm, I don't really like it. Can you switch? I think there is an option to switch. Which, but I don't think it's at the end of the first year. I think it's earlier than the end of the first year because obviously um, it's two years worth of content to have missed out on a whole half of it is is unrealistic. Obviously, this would depend on school to school and subject to subject, but um, I do think there is some option to change if you aren't enjoying uh, one of your subjects, but as early, early on in your IB uh, journey. Yep, for sure. So yeah. a couple of weeks into year 11 or maybe yes. a term perhaps. Exactly. More yes. manageable than um, switching in the second year, which is probably not advisable because you miss a whole 12 months of content. Yes, yes. So just to reiterate, in VCE we would study um, for one year for the three and four subject, the units three and four. Yes. That's one year's worth of content that would be on the exam. But in IB it would be two years' worth of content because it's a two-year program. Of course, yes. Cool. And now what about the other requirements? So you've got only your six subjects, but there's some other elements. So, for example, what is TOC, CAS, Extended Essay, IAs, all these little terms? Let's start to break those down. So what's TOC? So I should just say before we get into that, um, there are your six subjects that you have to do. Then there are these three additional requirements. So I'll talk. Are they like subjects or they're just like extra stuff that you have to do? TOC is a subject. So it's actually your seventh subject that you must take. And then EE and CAS are just additional requirements. But each of these are three extra, extra requirements all worth one IB mark. And so they're, I guess, weighted 
evenly, even though one is a subject and one the other two are not, they're all equally weighted. The first one, TOC, uh, seventh subject. TOC stands for theory of knowledge. And essentially uh, you learn why, why you know things or, or how, how you get to know things or how, how you learn things. It's a fascinating subject and it, it's really um, not something that you learn in, in um, school or in VCE at all. I find it fascinating. It's something that some students would consider, I guess, a waste of their time or not, not time spent well. But either way, it's really useful knowledge. It's, it involves uh, two sessions a week for the entirety of the two years. And you break down each, each discipline that, it, that exists. So sciences, uh, arts, humanities, everything, you break it down and you look at how knowledge is gained in each of those disciplines. Do you have an assessment for that top, uh, subject? Yes, um, you do have two assessments. You have a talk essay that you have to do and you have a talk presentation that you have to do. The essay is uh, pretty standard. You have to choose between, uh, choose one of the topics, write an essay. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many words it was, but you have a significant amount of time to do it and you do that in year 11 and you also do your talk presentation, which is much similar just in a presentation form in year 11 as well. Okay, cool. So would yeah. you, like, what I'm gaining is talk is like the theory of knowledge subject mm. and it helps students make sense of the world and how they learn and how they gain knowledge. That's what it Pretty is. philosophical, right? Yeah, philosophical, good word to describe. And I'd say, like, you wouldn't really get that in VCE, that extended thinking and that critical thinking, right? No, it's um, something that the IB offers that, that is quite unique, yes. Cool. Okay, and then what are your CAS hours or CAS? That's another requirement that's worth just the one mark. Yes. Um, CAS stands for Community Activity and Service. In my year, they actually removed the amount of hours requirement. In previous years, it worked much like um, Duke of Ed or anything like that, where there are a certain amount of hours required. What we had to do was a certain amount of reflections. You had to do reflections and then your supervisor had to tick off your reflections and also write reflections for you. Um, what I found though, it wasn't a burden requirement. It was essentially, for most IB kids, things that they were already doing, sports that they were already doing, clubs they were already involved with, all of that, they were already doing these things. The only thing um, they had to do was just write these reflections and obviously that if you do that as you go along, it's not a big task. If you leave it until the end when it, the due date is, it is a big task. Absolutely. But what if you're not particularly involved in extracurricular type of stuff? Is like the IB a way to put yourself out there to get those hours? Like do you have to do it otherwise? Yeah. If you fail? Um, like what, what is it? Yeah, if you don't do your CAS hours, for each of these additional three um three uh, requirements for IB, TOC, CAS and EE. If you don't do either of them, um, any of them, you will fail the IB. So it's like a minimum requirement. Minimum to, requirement, yeah, gotcha. yes. And and the aim, I guess, of CAS is to produce individuals who are well-rounded. Not only do they have uh, well-rounded subjects that they've taken, but they're also well-rounded from the things they are doing outside of school. Because obviously the IB is so intense in terms of the actual workload, they want students to have a life outside of IB and be prepared for life and, and the workforce afterwards. Absolutely. Okay, so we've talked about TOC, we've talked about CAS. Now what's the EE? I believe it stands for Extended Essay. 
Correct, it does. EA is is fascinating. A lot of people um, would say that the EE is what puts them off IB or it's the hardest part of the IB or whatever. It's a 4,000 word essay that you have to do in a subject of your choice. So it is one of the subjects that you are studying at the current, one of your six IB subjects. I chose to do it in economics and um, what you do is you get a supervisor or I guess um, a mentor uh, which is a teacher of that subject at your school, and they help you along the process. Um, they help you, um, you know, plan your essay out. They help you with the research process. You're writing it all, but you just go to them uh, whenever you, um, you know, hit a bump in the road or whenever you have any questions, they're there to support you. How long's the essay? How long's the essay? 4,000 words. Okay. Which, yes, it is a lot. It's um, Especially for a high school student where your essays that you'd be writing on, say, Macbeth or um, your book for English, right, it would only be a 1,000, I'd say. Exactly. Even university students that I speak to today have never written more than uh, 2,000 words. So I'm not sure when you write 4,000 words in, in uni, but um, it's certainly a big deal for, for year 11 and 12 students. And I should also note you get to choose your topic um, it's something that has to be approved by your supervisor, but you get to choose your topic. So you choose the area of, of your subject that you're interested in and you write a topic that matches that accordingly. Ah, can I ask what was your topic on economics? Oh, if I remember it exactly off my head. Um, it was what is the um, economic cost of primary homelessness in the Melbourne CBD. Oh, cool. And, like, I obviously know this because at uni we use journals and we use literature. Did you have to incorporate that into your extended essay? Yes. yes so pretty much you do what you are expected to do at university but earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Are you taught how to do that? They help you, obviously. Yes. Um, there was um, – I'm very grateful of my school, lots of support with that. Yeah, with the researching process and, and places where they recommend that you do go to and visit uh, for, for research. However, um, either way, you're going from never doing research this intensely um, to doing a 4,000-word essay, not even just a, a typical 1,000-word university essay. It's, it's 4,000 words. It's, it's a really big deal. So I think no matter how much sort of preparation or guidance you get – it's still um, a lot to take in at first at least, yeah. And how's that marked? How is it marked? It's marked, um, sent off to the IB, so it's it's marked externally and um, you either get an A, B, C, D, E and then there's the failing condition. It's actually marked in combination with TOC. So whatever score you get from TOC is combined with the score that you get from EE on a bit of a grid-like formation. What I uh, recall, uh, if you get an A in one and a B in the other, that is classified as three marks, so three out of three additional marks that you go towards your IB score. Um, if you get a B and a C, that's uh, two. And then if you get a C and a C or whatever, um, that, that's a one. So... So they create your three additional marks, but then there's the tick requirement for CAS, the yes or no requirement for CAS. And that's still, if you don't pass that, then you don't get your IB. Okay, gotcha. Can you do two languages? 
No, no, that's not an option because you already do English as one and then another language as the other one, right? Yes. Gotcha. Can you do two sciences? No. No? No. Only two. I mean, I don't know of anyone who's done that and from my understanding it's it's not an option but um, I would say even if it was an option, a school would probably recommend against it because the science subjects are so heavy. You'd have to have a real reason um to to want to do that okay gotcha and then what if I wanted to do say IB business management but my school didn't offer it is it just my bad luck um it is bad luck but yeah the subjects on offer at schools do depend on how many students do IB um so obviously if you have a really large cohort your um school will have a lot of IB subjects on offer. If you have a smaller cohort, you will have less subjects on offer. Um, There are exceptions to this though. I know of um, one student did a language that wasn't on offer at my school and they did it um, with an external tutor. So I think that's one option to do a subject with an external tutor if it's not offered. Okay, cool. So I guess it just depends on the school and aligning. Okay, what subjects are offered at my school and are those of interest to me? Exactly. Cool. All right. So with that comes, how does the scoring work? Because I've heard that there's this magic number seven that you want to get um, (laughs) and it's much different to VCE and study scores. So how does it work? So if you think of um, a VCE subject being out of score of 50, in IB, um, a subject is out of seven, is scored out of seven. So... How on earth does this work? Well, there are um, certain percentiles that equate to a number score. So, for example, in um, a really difficult subject, say physics, the um, to get a seven, you might just need to score over 68%. So 68% to 100% would be a seven, perhaps. This, this is all just for the sake of the example. And then perhaps... 55 to 68 would be the score of a 6 and then um, 45 to 55 would be the score of a 5, etc. So essentially the harder the subject, the lower the score is to get a 7. The easier subjects say, um, let's just say sports science for the sake of the example, might the requirement might be to get over 77 to get a seven as your study score. Um, So obviously seven is the highest mark. For your standard level subjects, if you get below a three, you fail the IB. And with your high level subjects, if you get below a four, you fail the IB. Oh, yes. Tell me more. What's the difference between standard level and high level? And how many do you have to do it of each? Um, so you have to do three standard level subjects and three higher level subjects. The difference between standard level and higher level is the quantity of content for starters. So for example, um, for chemistry, for standard level, you learn all of the content in the first year and all of the second year is spent revising the entire of that second year you revise for the subject, right? But higher level chemistry, they learn content all through first year and all through second year, all the way up until the exam, pretty much. So so the first thing is the quantity of content. 
differs between standard level and high level subject. Just note uh, with, with the chemistry example, that's the case for chemistry, but that's not always the case with standard level versus higher level. You might not always have just one year's worth for standard level, that varies. Also the difficulty is another thing. So um, if, you, if you can imagine, if you're doing um, more of this subject or more, more topics in higher level, you cover the more difficult um, topics that aren't covered in the standard level. Yeah, I guess you would go more in depth. Yeah, more in depth, yes. Yeah, to the topic. So instead of just touching on the surface level, then you go more in depth to more extension type of questions, content. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah, you go more in depth uh, on the topics that you've already covered in standard level, but you also do separate topics that the standard level students do not do. Um, so yeah, I would say they're the two main differences. So you'd have like a separate exam, whether you're a standard level or whether you're high level. Yes, yes. And oh, that's another thing that reminds me. Um, for higher level subjects, there is usually an extra exam paper. So um, for say for business management, standard level kids might have two exam papers and then high level kids may have three um, papers. That's just for the sake of the example as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And take me through how, like, for example, in VCE, we have different SACs and those SACs make up a little portion of our study score as well as the exam. Do you have any, say, like assignments, essays, tests throughout the year that go towards your final mark, perhaps? How does that structured? Um. So instead of SACs, in IB, we have what's called IAs. IA stands for Internal Assessment. In VC, obviously, there are multiple SACs um, throughout the year. The difference in IB is there is one IA per subject. This one IA is um, the only thing that goes towards your, your IB score, your ATAR, before the exam. It's usually weighted about 20%, varies from subject to subject, but for the most part, it's weighted 20%. What is the IA? Well, the IA is typically a 2,000 word report for that subject. So for me, uh, in maths, had to choose a 2,000 word, um, I had to do a 2,000 word report and I got to do it in an area of, of maths that we covered that I enjoyed. Um, much like the EE, you get to choose your own topic, get it approved by your teacher, and you go through the whole um, writing, drafting process, um, and you do that for, for each of your six subjects. Okay, cool. Can we go through your six subjects and talk me through? So name them off for me. What did you do? So obviously literature yeah. as my language. Um, I did standard level maths. So that's the mid uh, level of maths. I did Indonesian, ab initio. So that was my language. Chemistry as my science. Economics as my first individuals and societies. And as my second individuals and societies, I did business management. Cool. And out of those six subjects, which of those were your high level? Which were my high levels? Um, economics. Yep. Business management. Yep. And literature. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is it common to pick literature as a high level because I guess English is your first language or not really? Yeah. Um, interestingly, it, it is common uh, to choose English as your higher level. I think the, the reason why people do choose it is because the jump from standard level to higher level isn't as large as what it is in, in other subjects. In English, there is not um, more content that, that you have to learn. It's 
simply the, the only difference is the um, assessment tasks differ slightly and the the marking criteria it is harsher for higher level students but um, I think that's that's the main reasons why people choose or why why it's common that people choose uh, literature as their higher level. Okay, gotcha. So yes. out of those six subjects, yep. you can pick maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, in year 11, does anything count for your final mark, right? Or does that IA start in year 12? So for the most part... Um, you work on the IAs in year 11. So the actual IA is given to you in year 11. You're working on it, um, you're drafting it. it it's, a, it's a long process um, for each of your subjects, but they're actually due all around the start-ish of year 12, say April, May, May, June, um, all due around that same time but you have been working on it for a very long time uh before then okay but yes you don't officially hand it in until year 12. okay gotcha well to me there seems like there's just so much going on with the ib right so you've got all your subjects and you've got ias which are count towards your final mark but it's not like an exam it's like a um report yes gotcha and um do i have the same ib teachers as my friends do in as vce like the, the same teachers teach VC and IB and it sounds like a silly question or they're like different um sometimes th- that is the case uh I think some teachers um say for for chemistry where the content is quite transferable then yes there are the same chemistry teachers for VC and for IB but when the content differs quite a lot um, and it's really IB specific say for example economics the content differs quite a lot the IB course covers what the VCA course does plus more and I think some teachers have a real preference for teaching VCA especially if they've been doing it for quite a few years yes there are cases where uh, the content is similar and and the teachers do teach both but there are also cases where as you can imagine um some teachers do have preferences for teaching IB and others have preferences for teaching VCE and and that's just what it is absolutely and with the IB when you graduate and you get your IB score just mm-hmm. as like you get an ATAR score does IB convert automatically to an ATAR like when you Woke up and got your ATAR right when everyone does. Oh, actually, IB results come out later, right? Yes, uh, about a whole month later. <laughs> yeah, so while you're waiting a whole month, when you get your result, what number do you get? What's like the perfect score? What 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 is it like? With the scores out of seven, obviously for your six subjects, um, that adds up to 42. And so if an IB score is out of 45, uh, there are three remaining marks. What are those remaining marks? Well, that is what the EE and um, CAS and TOC TOC are. So yes, there is actually a chart that all IB students are aware of. Um, That's the chart that converts um, IB score into an ATAR. Unlike um, VCE, it's actually quite not easy to predict your IB score, but if you know where you're sitting in each of your subjects on your score out of seven, you can predict your ATAR by using this chart. It's it's a bit different to um, VCE ATAR calculations where it's not, I guess, entirely accurate. If you get a 44 IB score, that translates exactly to an ATAR number. Um, 
if you get a 30 IB score, that translates to an exact ATAR number. So you can't get um, exactly every ATAR score that's on to offer. It's just what it translates to. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I understand that. And so you can get a perfect IB score, which would be 45, and so that would be 99.95, right? Yes. But it. unlike VCE... IB doesn't incorporate any scaling. It's only with the, you know, out of seven. So yes. as in VC, when you're sitting the exam, it's about where you rank in your class, mm-hmm. where your school ranks against other schools and then against everyone in Victoria as well. But that's not yes. the same in IB, right? No, that's not the same. And um, I guess that's a real benefit of the IB. Your score is your own score. So everyone can get 99.95 ATARs if everyone gets a 45 IB score. So that's a really good thing. And I think that's what facilitates that collaborative atmosphere um, amongst IB students. They are able to all work together without knowing that everyone can do as equally as well as each other and equally lift each other up. It's not like um, one person doing well means someone else has to do poorly. It's it's not competitive. It is that collaborative environment uh, for that reason. That's really good to know. And it's a nice segue into our next question, which was what are the pros of doing IB? So you've described a lot, which is about, you know, extra exams, lots of study, um, high levels, the extra CAS hours, you know, the theory of knowledge. There's a lot of extra stuff. So what's the payoff? Why should I choose to do IB? The first reason um, is that it prepares you for university very, very well. The process of doing your IAs is something that VCE does not have to offer. What, what I found at university in first year is that a lot of students don't know how to write um, academic writing. They also don't know how to reference at all. They're, they're told that they must reference their essays, but they have no idea how on earth to do that. IB students have already done that and they've done that six times over plus for their EE. They know exactly what they're doing. So that's a real, real benefit. So it prepares you for the university life in that sense, in terms of the uh, assignments and what's required of you at uni. You've already done that. But also in terms of your study habits, obviously IB students um, have been working for two years. They've been revising for two years. Um, They've been faced with really challenging content. Their their study habits are are quite strong for the most part. And so that also prepares them for uni. Another benefit is that you are in the IB forced to take a breadth of subjects. Obviously, um, the six categories we talked about a little earlier. And so because you're forced to take a breadth of subjects, that opens up so many um, different options available for you. Uh, when you are choosing your course for university. And also just for general knowledge, it's so useful to have had uh, a breadth of knowledge. Also for those people who are wanting to travel um, or study overseas, it's very useful to have uh, done the IB because it's internationally recognised. From what I hear, you are still able to travel um, to study overseas if you do VCE, but with the IB, because it's internationally recognised, it is probably a quicker process um, of getting into uni. There's probably less less uh, steps involved in that process. And also just generally, IB forces you to critique information that you're given. It, rather than um, simply learning things and I guess regurgitating them in the exam, you're actually forced to critique information that's given to you. Think of uh, pros and cons. You're forced, you're forced to evaluate, you're forced to apply concepts. You're forced to do a lot that um, 
is different to the conventional uh, learning styles that you're learnt, uh, that you're taught all the way from year seven to ten and perhaps in the VCE. Absolutely. It's almost like you've got more higher order thinking skills that you need to do, evaluate, analyse, um, compare, all those different things. On that note, how you said it's internationally recognised, so you're doing IB here in Australia. Yes. It's also done in the UK, in the US, all around the world. And are you studying the same chemistry that they're studying in the US and in the UK? Yeah. So it's exactly the same. Yeah, that's that's it. It's it's fascinating. It's weird to think about. Um, but yes, it is the exact same course. <laughs> that's amazing. That's pretty cool to know. And now that we've talked about the pros, what about the cons? And you're totally welcome to chat about your personal experience because, again, it is up to you and it's different from one person to the next. But I've heard that it's a lot of work. It's a, is that what you found? Yeah, it, it is a lot. People say IB is, is so, so intense and it really is as intense as what people say. Intense in terms of the quantity of the workload but also in terms of yeah, the difficulty of it. I mentioned earlier the difference between standard level and high level but standard level is still not easy uh, in any sense. Um, so all of the IB subjects that you will be taking are intense. <laughs> also, the extra requirements... Um, mean that you have you have limited time available you're already doing your six subjects and then you're having to do these three extra things but also you want to have a life outside of school you need to socialize and um, you need to exercise see your family friends all of that um, so it's really 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 important to be organized because uh, nothing that you do in the first year goes towards your ATAR it is common for people to slack off during year 11, um, but that's very, very dangerous because the stuff you learn in year 11 is equally as likely to come up on the exam um, as the things you learn in year 12. Yes, it's just important to be working equally as hard in year 11 as year 12. You slowly chip away and then it's not a big task at the end. It's not physically possible to have not worked hard through year 11 and 12 and then expect to revise simply at the end and do well in your exams. So yes, that's another thing, uh, being, being time poor, um, but you can avoid being time poor um, by having that, that good organisation skills through year 11 and 12. What about the exams? So you mentioned before that one subject might have two exams and one might have three. Yeah. Can you take me through how many exams you had for your subject? So how much did business have? So business had two papers. It, it's typical for all of um, IB students to have 14 or 15 papers all up. So I had 14 papers all up. So I think uh, business management and maths were the only subjects with two and then the rest had three papers and I guess the difference for some subjects the split between paper one and paper two may simply be paper one is multiple choice and paper two is short answer or do you have like calculator no calculator yes calculator no calculator in the case for maths case for chemistry short answer um and multiple choice that was a split but then for the third paper that was um the option in chemistry, uh, each school got to choose out of four options and they um, they do uh, an extra sort of topic, they cover an extra topic. Um, but say, for example, in economics, the split between the three, subject, the three papers was um, paper one was four essays in that paper. 
Paper two was uh, sort of a case study, um, analysing uh, three cases that are given to you. And then paper three was a quantitative paper, so all maths in economics. When it comes to actually doing the exams, it's it could be that one day you have um, English paper one and paper two, and then in the afternoon you have economics paper one. Then the next day you have economics paper two, economics paper three, then in the afternoon chemistry paper one. Then the next day chemistry paper two, chemistry paper three, then maths paper one. And then the next day maths paper two, and then business management paper one. So it just goes, as soon as exams start, it goes in consecutive days on, on for about yeah, seven or eight days until you finish all of your exams. Oh, my goodness. And while that is great because you get it out in one go, it can be very stressful, especially exams can be a roller coaster. You know, you may not do so well at one and then the next one pick it up. Like, yeah. It's, it's particularly stressful in that sense because if you do – so you come out of your chemistry paper, you're crying, you, um, you're really upset with, with how the paper was and, and how you felt that you went – you have to pick yourself up to do perhaps a completely different subject that afternoon and move on and move do on. it exactly. <laughs> yeah. quickly switch your mindset and then off you go again. Absolutely. Do you feel like the group of students, and you mentioned about competition and collaboration, mm-hmm. but do you feel like it was a small community family feel because there's typically less students in IB cohort than VCE? Yeah, there certainly was. Um, in my cohort, there were 60 of us. And so compared to the VCE cohort of 140, whatever it was, um, yeah, it was a tight-knit community. It really, it really is useful when it comes to IAs and um, uh, I guess reading over each other's work, helping each other out in that sense. It's useful when it comes to our creating study groups. Obviously, um, you're, you're able to study together and really help each other out without it meaning um, that it could affect your score in any way it would only ever bring both of you up or, yep. or all of you there's up. no rankings as no well. ranking no scaling no, yeah no. also you're you're all in it together in the sense that when it is a busy time and all the ias are due uh, in the same month or whatever it is you are all um you're all stressing together or you're all um celebrating together once it's all over you're all going through the motions at the exact same time so if I'm a student and I'm thinking about doing IB, what kinds of things should I be asking myself? So firstly, um, am I able to cover the breadth of subjects? In my case, the subjects that I actually chose for IB, I was going to do them anyways in VCE. And so I thought, okay, well, why wouldn't I do IB? I'm doing these subjects anyways. And there's all these benefits that it prepares you well for uni, helps you think really critically about information that's um, given to you, prepares you for life ahead of uh, school and uni, why on earth would I not do it? And so for me, because I was already covering those grounds of the breadth of subjects, that was fine. Also with that though, if there is one category, say a language, you're not really keen on doing a language, I wouldn't let that put you off IB. I hear a few students who say, I really didn't want to do a language, that's why I didn't do IB. I think if you could sort of see past that and realise that, okay, well, just in general, language is useful to, to have um, learnt, but you're able to do the ab initio version then. Like think, um, think of how you can sort of uh, still achieve all those other benefits with just compromising perhaps in that language area. You still have to do it, but just sort of suck it up really. <laughs> Secondly, if, yeah, you do enjoy a challenge, um, it is extremely rewarding because 
yes, whilst it is very challenging, you you realise what you are capable of in an academic sense um, and you stretch yourself uh, in ways that you've never been stretched before. And then it's it's rewarding when you do get to the end of those two years. Whether it was the hardest two years of your life or not, it would be up there. It's really rewarding when you do make it to the end. So yes, if you're already doing the breadth of subjects, if you like an academic challenge, you're wanting to, I guess, prepare yourself for uni in the best ways as possible, then certainly do IB. Um, it's really noticeable the students who have done IB and, and the students who have done VCE and the ways in which they can deal with university life, obviously in terms of the assignments that we talked about earlier, but just the way that they're able to work independently. They're not waiting to be spoon-fed things from teachers. They're able to actually take responsibility for their study and um, be organised and, and top of things all the time. It's a really valuable skill that probably IB students think just take for granted, but no, that, that's what the IB has taught them. Absolutely. And now just some random questions. Mm. If I do IB in year 11 and realise it's not for me, can I change to VCE? Yes, you can. Um, so you can change from IB to VCE. When you make a change, you can do it, uh, I think, all the way up until the start of year 12. But obviously you'll be doing just the VCE 3-4. So it will have to be a subject where you are able to do the VCE 3-4 subject without having done the 1-2. Yeah. Whilst you can change from IB to VCE, you can't change the other way around. With the IB, you have to have started it at the very start of year 11. And if you miss that, then you miss out. So what um, career advisors or um, the teachers at school advise uh, is that students, if they're even considering IB, just try it anyways, because you can always drop out of it, but you can't move into it. Yep, absolutely. Okay, and then these are some common things I hear. So the mm. first one, and in little quotation marks, is yes. I'm going to do IB because it's going to get me a higher ATAR than if I was to do VCE. True or false? Or actually, fact or fiction? Um, it's, it's interesting because it's not easier to get a higher ATAR. It just works out that the uh, comparison from an IB to VCE score is quite generous. And I believe it's it's valid that, it, that it's generous because the IB is such an intense course and, and because of, of just how hard it is. And so um, I wouldn't say it's easier to get a, a higher score in uh, IB in comparison to VCE, but it's, it's common that students um, in IB do end up scoring very well um, and achieving a high ATAR because of, I guess, their work ethic and the work that they put in and they work really hard um, and then they get their IB score and because the conversion is generous, then it does end up that a lot of IB score uh, students achieve high ATARs. Not necessarily easier to do so though. Yep. All right. The next common thing I hear in little quotation marks, I'll never get a study break because I always have to revise in IB. True or false? Look, true to an extent. Um, yeah, IB students have a lot on their plate and unlike VCU students who get a spare subject and um, have that regular um, vacant subject uh, like a free period yeah free period IB students don't have that at all so yeah you you will have limited uh, spare time it, not only you're taking six subjects you're taking seven subjects and you're doing all those three extra requirements it's a lot and yeah some people um I guess no matter how organized you are um it's it's really hard to keep keep it up for the two years um but I think 
just really establishing those good habits in year 11, taking it through to year 12. Um, even setting a day aside, like Friday afternoons, having them off for every every day throughout year 11 and 12. Just doing something like that, make sure that um, you do get that set aside break is really important. So yeah, I guess that that is true to an extent. IB students don't have, have a lot of time, a lot of spare time, but that's just what it is. It's just the reality. If you do have any questions about IB or about starting IB or maybe choosing subjects, feel free to reach out to someone who has done the IB, maybe an older sibling or a friend or even teachers who do teach the IB. And what you can do is ask and say, hey, what kind of things do I learn in this subject? So what kind of things do I learn in economics or what kind of things do I learn in literature? And just have a look at the the content because if you're able to relate to it, then you might be more motivated to study it. And also by reaching out to other students who have gone through the process, maybe they're in uh, year 12 or maybe they've completely finished the IB, what you're able to do is ask them, okay, how did they find it? How did they manage their study? How did they manage balancing a social life, for example? Um, And that's another really great way to find out whether or not it's suited for you. Certainly reach out to both teachers and students, teachers that do teach IB but also students who have been through it because they will answer um, hopefully the teachers as well both will answer as honestly as possible so you can be presented with as much information as possible before you make that choice and then when you make the choice to do IB or not you'll be confident uh, in that choice that you do make absolutely and lastly what do you wish you knew before you started the um, international baccalaureate something I wish I knew was the importance of study groups and the value of study groups. I um, am a real independent learner and um, so all throughout the IB uh, I may have used a study group once or twice for one of my subjects but never really had a regular system going uh, for multiple subjects or anything like that. Now in university as part of study groups I see, I truly see the benefit of it and it's so valuable to go through just practice questions with, with your study group. Um, the key with study groups is to do most of the work at home and by yourself, but going through answers together. And so if you go through answers together and mark each other's work, you both know um, exactly how the IB marking works. You've done it. You've done um, so many tests all throughout year 11 and year 12. You know exactly, you know that IB marking criteria really quite well. So if you're able to mark each other's work, whether it be um, practice tests or exams, it is so, so valuable uh, to go through that together. Even um, also using your study groups to revise. Same thing, um, as I mentioned earlier, your score is your score in IB. By helping each other, you only bring each other up. And that's really, really important. So if I could have my time again, I certainly would make use of study groups. Um, That would probably be my only regret. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Alice, for chatting all about the IB and explaining actually how it works and what it's like and the scoring and the subjects and everything else that goes with it. Um, I know it's been really valuable for myself and I know the listeners will appreciate it as well. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. If you like this episode or have any more questions, head over to our Instagram at the.studentspace. Now there is a full stop between the and student. And just remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any personal advice. Thank you for all your support, everyone. See you later.